0: It's not about my my effort you know it's it's about the work of jesus christ on the cross
1: (gasps) and jesus softened my heart and broke in and said you are sinful but guess what i'm not going to run away from you because of that i'm going to run towards you and i've provided a way for you to have eternity with god if you just follow me
0: you know it's just the most overwhelming thing that's ever happened to me because for the first time i felt like christ was with you know what? I felt like I could just—I just felt like the biggest weight was just lifted off my shoulders. Yo, yo, yo! What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Von and Clay all day. Uh, I'm your lovely co-host Von. I am your not so lovely co-host Clay. <laughs> We're back on another one. I am pumped about this one. Let's go. Let's get it, baby. Let's Who us go, we got, Clay.
1: We got Dustin Olin, aka Dolan, <laughs> aka biggest Iowa fan I know, aka dirty ape that's also a nickname <laughs> yep, that we've heard yep. you have so there's there's probably a hundred more but thanks for coming on we're i'm jacked for this one it's been a long time that this has been coming yeah so we're excited do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself
2: yeah you know first off i want to say uh i'm surprised you didn't say crusty dusty crusty dusty that's Another yes. nickname. aka
1: crusty dusty <laughs> <laughs> we missed that dang it
2: yeah no uh no i appreciate you guys having me on um I've honestly known you guys since, since the beginning of college, uh, different contexts, um, but now I've been super encouraged by just the work that God's done in both of you guys' lives. Um, but a little bit of myself, I grew up in Aurora, Nebraska. Hey, shout out. Shout out. You mentioned I was an Iowa fan. <clears throat> yes. My entire family is Husker fans, so we can talk <laughs> yeah. about that later. I do have a reason. Um, went to college at UNO, uh, started out in engineering, switched over to business. Uh, got my degree in just the easiest subject I could because by that time I already decided that I was going in ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then since college got a job at City Light, Yes, uh, worked nice. in the college ministry for yeah. about a year and a half. And then the past six months or so I've been working with City Groups.
0: Nice. So, city Groups is like a, what? City Groups?
2: City Groups is City Light's small groups. Cool. Um, yeah. Just a, a intentional group of communities uh, where you can live out all four of our, our core values. Um, Yeah, we represent them by arrows, down, up, in, and out. Down being the gospel. Jesus came down, uh, first and foremost, to rescue us. Amen. Up, just our response to that. Uh, Spiritual formation in, community. How can we live in light of that with fellow believers? Uh, And then out, living on mission towards those who are not reached because we have to recognize, like, we ourselves were once lost. Mm -hmm. We were the Uh, one that wasn't reached. Yeah. So. That's so
1: good. Facts. Big facts. I love how it all starts with... Jesus coming down Mm -hmm. and how that is what propels us to do and live out all that other stuff. But I also just am super encouraged. I've known you, yeah, for, it's been about four years and we'll get into this when you share your story, but I feel like that role that you're in fits the gifting that God has given you so much because you're really good at fostering community and leading people up in those one-on-one or small group settings. So it's awesome that you're in that role because I feel like it it fits you super well.
2: Oh
0: man, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm excited. Clay, do you mind praying us in? Is that cool?
1: Yeah, for sure. I'll pray for us. Cool. King Jesus, God, we love you so much. I just thank you for this opportunity, God, just to highlight what you've done in Dustin's life. Just thank you for him. Just Mm -hmm. how great of a friend he's been to us. And just, it's been so cool to see you work in his life since we've known him, God. And I'm just excited to see how you're going to move today in this episode, Jesus. I want to pray for our listeners, God, that, Anyone who listens to this would just feel encouraged that they would see you maybe in a new light, God, see a new aspect of your character, and just see how much you love them, Lord God. And for us, just let our words reflect you, let our words reflect your character, and just speak through us and give us the confidence and boldness just to put you on display throughout this whole episode, Lord. We love you. Amen.
0: Amen. Hi, right, bro. You already know, bro. You already know the question. You know the question, but uh, how'd you come to know Jesus? Straight up.
2: Straight up. (laughs)
0: Straight up, baby.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I was raised in a Christian home uh, and kind of always knew who Jesus was. Um, And honestly, I never really doubted like the events of scripture of Jesus coming down as a historical event, dying on the cross. Um, It was just something I was instilled to believe. um, Mm -hmm. And I did believe it. But probably for the first 13 or so years of my life, um, it wasn't really personal I mean, in the large picture, I, I knew that I was a sinner in need of saving and that Jesus did do that, mm. um, but my day-to-day life didn't really reflect an affection uh, for the God-man who suffered the very wrath of the Father mm. um, just to bring me near. Yeah. And so the gospel wasn't personal to me. Um, mm. That said, kind of my, my life story, uh, when I was two, I broke my neck, mm. um, and actually before that, I was born with a hemivertebra in a completely different spot. Um, and so,
1: how, how did you break your neck?
2: Yeah, I, <laughs> not a manly story. I know. Well, you were um, two.
1: I was two. So <laughs> I, I couldn't really. <laughs> you weren't a man. It's, a, it's not your fault. <laughs> I was
2: crawling on top of a swing set. And That's
1: already manly right there for a two year old. True. The, but perspective.
2: I'm not saying that. Is I, I would have much rather had, like, I wrestled off a bear or something like that. <laughs> but no, I was, I was climbing on the top of the swing set, um, apparently just, like, missed missed my crawling and then fell down uh, 8, 10 feet, hit one of the swings, started spinning, and then landed on my head.
0: Wow. Um, Who was on baby watch, your dad or mom?
2: My brother. My, <laughs> oh. mom, was doing, my mom was doing dishes. Uh-oh. And, uh, yeah, my oldest brother was supposed to be watching. I feel bad because I don't blame him at all. Yeah, but, And I don't know if he blames himself, but in that moment, I would not That'd want to be, be in that. No.
1: no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, but keep going. I was just curious.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, I broke my neck real early on. Yeah. Uh, that's a big part of my story is just living that out. And for the for the first four years after that, from when I was two to when I was six... They didn't know I had a broken neck. Like, my parents took me in. The doctors no did all their tests, all their x-rays, blah, blah I didn't blah. know that. And, uh, yeah, they're like, this dude's fine. You know, no problems. Um, but then when I was six, I started getting these weird headaches whenever I'd have any sort of physical exercise. Wow. Um, have, just have to take a nap, hmm. lay down. felt yeah. weird. And so, we took me in for that. And then they're like, P.S., you got a broken neck.
1: No way. Uh, when you were six? When I was six. They finally had an mri or x-ray
2: yeah i don't know if it was an mri initially but i eventually did have one of those wow um so yeah that was obviously a a very urgent thing yeah and the nearest neurosurgeon that was like able to handle a small child who had a broken neck for two-thirds of his life then uh, was in iowa city
1: (laughs) wow and so rain it
2: back that's that's why i'm an iowa fan
0: i never knew that
1: that actually blows my mind though wow yeah. It, was it at the hospital that they waved yep. to the stadium at? Yeah, wow. so I was one of those
2: children before that was a thing.
1: Wow, I'm, it became a thing because of you. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, I I start off with that because, I mean, for a fair amount of my life, that that seemed as like God saved me and that's cool and all, but yeah. I don't know, it, it wasn't part of my story. Um, but looking back, like that's so... Uh, foreshadowing of what would later become because that is a physical saving of just a miraculous recovery, like something that should not have happened. Like even the doctors Mm. themselves multiple times said, I 100% should have been dead. Mm. Best case scenario, absolute best case scenario, I should have been paralyzed for life, neck down. Wow. And so for me to walk away with that, like that's just absolute sheer grace by God. Yes. Um, But it was a saving of my physical life. Yeah. Now that's foreshadowing. What would later become of God saving me spiritually Yes um, wow, yeah, so that that I start off with that because that's just such a clear picture for me of how this is near and dear and personal to me
1: yeah how did you sorry, but how did you process that at that age you, or like what are your yeah. first memories around that time or
2: uh my first memory overall. Um, honestly might be me tattling on my older brothers. Cause they were just doing something uh-huh. older brothers against me. Yes. Just picking on me. I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, but recent memories are like memories right after that. Yeah, yeah. We're around the surgery. So I remember, um, probably one of my most fond memories like ever was me on the hospital bed and both of my brothers just came in and gave me simple gifts. Wow. Uh, my immediately older brother, he gave me a toy black jet. And my oldest brother gave me a Christmas ornament of a Christmas tree. It was kind of like a a plastic jewel thing. Wow. And those gifts meant like they were, there was no significance to those gifts.
1: But just to see them come through for you and to give to you and be there for you.
2: It was a comforting time and Mm -hmm. it was really special to me. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's the whole ordeal of me breaking my neck and how that played into my story. Um, But going past that, um, grew up in a Christian family, have two older brothers, um, loving parents that we grew up in a church, uh, actually went through multiple church splits, which was kind of discouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it was, it was really encouraging because in all those churches, the gospel was still preached. Wow. And so I still knew about Jesus, knew who he was. Um, like I wasn't a foreigner to the gospel not clicking. Um, it just wasn't personal yet. Mm. And so... I think how I, how I know how to share my testimony is in a series of just different stories, um, of just significant moments in my life. Yeah. Um, and so probably one of the one of the first stories is when I first watched pornography. Mm. Um, yeah. Because that's that's a very new experience to a teenager. Yeah. Um, or whenever you whenever you watch that, mm. and depending yes. on how that plays out, like that can significantly affect how you view sex yeah completely
1: yes facts yeah
2: so my first time watching it i'm not a tech nerd at all i i know (laughs) nothing about technology (laughs) and so i was i don't know 12 or 13 Mm -hmm. and um went downstairs went to the family computer um looked at everything and then i was like I didn't know what history was. So yeah. I didn't delete my history. Like, mm. And oh, no. <laughs> immediately <laughs> I knew that it didn't satisfy me afterwards, but in yeah. the moment, like sin was nice. It felt good. Yeah.
1: Um, sin does that. Like, yeah. In the moment you're like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. And so
2: afterwards I, I felt mildly ashamed because I yeah. knew it was wrong, yeah. but at the same time I was excited by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that came crashing down real quick because the following day, just one day later, uh, my brother, who is a tech-er, tech nerd, <laughs> oh boy. Um, uh-huh. he found out about it. I imagine it wasn't that hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he told my parents and we had a huge family sit down where we just discussed it. Mm. And the key takeaways I take away from this and why I think it was just a profound, significant moment in my life yeah, is in that moment, my parents shared and displayed the gospel in such a mm. such a real way to me because they said, hey, you aren't the first one and you're not going to be the last one to to do this. Mm-hmm. What you did was wrong and here's why it was wrong. Mm-hmm. Wow. But we love you dearly. Yeah. Um, mm. And this is why we love you. Yeah, we, that's amazing. You doing this is not going to affect that's, how wow. we view you. Yeah.
0: So much grace. Wow. Is yeah, so
2: it honestly was. It yeah. was just... a picture of sheer grace yeah that's That's so cool yeah
1: i don't know i feel like it's so easy to miss it by either just coming down with the hammer and Mm -hmm. being like hey this is wrong but not really sharing why or then the other end just saying that it's okay which it's not but to be able to say this is wrong but i still love you Mm -hmm. that's an awesome model
2: and i had two huge pillars of things going through my mind one was i felt disgusted myself mm-hmm. i was super ashamed like there was nothing i wanted to do more than to just curl up hide away, never interact with anyone ever again mm-hmm. because i knew how wrong what i just did was mm-hmm. and i wasn't deserving of what they just gave me and mm-hmm. on the other hand mm-hmm. it was grace so i was like what what is this that they're offering me love in spite of what i just did yeah to to dishonor them and disrespect them mm-hmm. um so yeah, it was, it was really a gospel moment of like, take this and then magnify it tenfold, a hundredfold, a million fold. Wow. And yeah. that's what, that's, that's what, what Jesus did for me.
1: Amen. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Facts.
2: So I think that was the, the first kind of pivotal moment of the gospel becoming personal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that, like I said, that was probably when I was 12 or 13, um, Probably early middle school, mm-hmm. um, keep going through middle school. This would have been later middle school, or so uh, we had these things in our youth ministry called corn outreaches Christians outreaching to rural Nebraska. Hey, uh, <laughs> it was pretty corny, yeah. Church. Um, Church. that's uh, awesome. Just stop right now, yeah. <laughs> but what we do is we would go around to neighboring cities. Uh, we'd rent out the auditorium or the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we do is we just set up a whole bunch of inflatables, buy a ton of pizza, um, invite all the surrounding kids to have a dodgeball tournament and just have a night of fun. Mm-hmm. Wow. Just a, two, three hours of just having fun. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And we'd really promote it. And then after a certain time period, uh, we'd usually say we we'd just start deflating everything and we'd be like, hey, everyone come to this room. Uh, where we'll give you free pizza and we just have something we want to watch, have you guys watch. Yeah. And in that, it it was kind of like a bait and switch where we got kids in the door through having fun playing games. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, seeing hey, these people care
1: about me. Mm -hmm. This is fun. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But then in that, uh, we'd actually share the gospel with them, tell them the real reason why we came. Yeah. And it was just so different to me because every time we did that, I mean, there was probably at least... 10 students every time that would raise their hand and say, Hey, I don't know who Jesus is, but what you just did, what you just um, shared. Like, I want that. Wow. Um, That's cool. And so I don't, I don't know if all those guys are still walking with the Lord, Mm -hmm. but that was hugely impactful for me to see like, no, this isn't something like this whole Jesus thing. Isn't something that should be part of my life, Mm. but like this should be the most, imp- the single most important thing about my life. Yes. Um, and so I think that's probably the first time period where, I mean, this is really an overused phrase, um, but that's probably the first season of my life where I felt like on fire for the mm-hmm. Lord um, yeah. because it was really true. Like this wasn't just an event that happened, but there is a real God yes. who interacts with real people mm-hmm. uh, and he's on a real mission. Yes. And he, he didn't just interact 2000 years ago, but he's oh. still moving. Yeah. Yes. Um, That's good.
1: I love that. So. It's, it's so cool to be able to see, especially, I don't know, at that point in your walk to be able to see, Hey, I know at that point, you know what Jesus has done for you, but just the joy that you can have when you share that with other people and to see them accept that, that mm-hmm. is amazing. And I don't know. I, that's just an encouraging ministry.
2: Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Um, so this is later middle school, this entire time, uh, still been living with a broken neck. And mm-hmm. so bringing that back into things, uh, you guys mentioned I have a ton of nicknames. Yes. Actually, growing up, one of the nicknames that I got called a ton was Broken. Broken. What? And and it sounds yeah, terrible. I, I know.
0: Yeah, I don't like that nickname. Uh,
2: and so it was, it was made in an endearing way uh-huh. and it was something that my friends called me. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a joke. Mm-hmm. So I, I got what it meant and I laughed alongside with them, but at the same time it hurt because it was true. There's a like, part of
1: that. Yeah.
2: I, I constantly was keenly aware of how physically broken I was. I was told mm-hmm. that I couldn't wrestle, which I don't want to do anymore, but Like when I first started doing sports, I wanted to wrestle. I was told I couldn't play anything contact, specifically football, Mm. which I grew up in Aurora, which is hugely like that. They're a football town. Yeah. If you're a dude, you play football. That's what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I couldn't play football. So I, I had to resort to being a student manager and that's just a, a lesser quality, Mm. um, I couldn't go on roller coasters. I was told I couldn't ski granted. I wow. did ski, <laughs> but there were, there were so many things that I was told I couldn't do. And yeah, just restrictions of how I could, how I couldn't perform as well as others. Mm. And so that hurt because it rang true. I was broken. Um, and I say that because after years of processing through that, I mean, I, I was physically broken, but again, how foreshadowing of that and how much of God's grace is that to reveal that to me, that not only am I and was I physically broken, I'm spiritually broken. Yes. Like I am not a good person mm-hmm. apart from the Holy Spirit within me. Yes. I am a sinful man who desires to charge after any and every idol except for the one true living God. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that that was something that I'd been walking through that whole time of just, man, I feel like I can't do anything. And what stemmed out of that was this enormous pillar of pride. Mm. Um, as a guy, I feel like so often your two pillars of sin in life are lust and pride.
1: So true. And mm-hmm.
2: I think with a lot of guys, lust is the winner there. Not, <laughs> not that you can't experience both, but lust is just the overpowering sin. Yeah. Um, and for me, it was definitely pride because that was just something that I was, it was so much more on my mind Mm -hmm. and that paired with pornography, just getting shut down and it was so painful, but it was so good um, because it, it gave me a, a right desire. Um, yeah. And it hurt. And obviously I still have, have struggled with that, but because of that, I think it's just been easier on me. And so with that pride stemmed out of that, um, and so with the the nickname of Broken, what was going through my mind as I was trying to find who, answer the question of who am I, what's my identity, what's my purpose, why am I here? Yeah. Um, it really was a question of, man, here is what I've been told I can't do. Here's where I have underperformed um, or told that I would underperform. Now, if I can actually outperform these guys in this area, mm-hmm. how much better will that look for me? Mm-hmm. How much more can I take pride in that? And how mm-hmm. much more will people respect me for that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what was really going on was just a war of my heart of, do I actually value and desire other people's approval of me? Uh, do I, or do I rest in God's approval of me? Mm-hmm. And so that's something that- That, that tug. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a wrestle for so much of my life. Yeah. Um, and that leads into probably my next, uh, significant moment. And it wasn't significant at all in the time. I thought it was being a good Christian, uh, just living the Christian life. Yeah. Um, but this was, this was early high school. I was in drumline and one of my buddies, he was the star quarterback, the good looking guy, the tall guy, the principal's son. The stud. He was, he was, yeah. (laughs) Um, all the girls wanted to go out with him. Mm -hmm. And so in, in one sense he was my friend, but in another sense I envied him. Yeah. Um, And so he was also on the drum line and he took a liking to one of the underclassmen. Um, So I said, this was early on. This was probably junior year. Mm -hmm. Took a liking to one of the underclassmen and was like, Hey, I want to invite you to my youth group because I want to share the gospel with you. Mm -hmm. He didn't say that straight up. Mm -hmm. um, But like that was his desire in that. Yeah. I think that's a good God honoring desire yeah and so in that, I was like, man, I'm a Christian as well. I want to do what this guy does because he gets everything mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's the stud, yeah, and also like in a very real sense, I also do care about this guy's eternity and whether or not he knows Jesus mm-hmm. um and so I kind of hopped along on there, rode on his coattails, um and I was like, yeah, man, I just want to pour into you as well, and in the moment, I was like. Man, I'm I'm being a good Christian. I'm doing this. Yeah. Um. But probably two, three years later, just looking back and processing through that, of like what was going on in my heart there, it was really pride. Mm-hmm. Like what I wanted in that, yeah, I, I did want for this guy to actually know who God was. Yeah. I did want him to become a believer. Mm-hmm. But in a very more real sense, I wanted me to be on his mind. Like when he looks back five, 10 years ago and says, this is the moment that I was saved. I want him to be like, Dustin is the guy that led me there. Mm. Um, And so when I look back that, that was me trying to steal God's glory. That was me trying to lift my name high. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I say that just to kind of clarify, like pride is huge in my life. Um, And it's taken multiple things of humility, of, of sharp pain through getting caught your very first time looking at pornography mm. to seeing your pride and something that, that seems so insignificant. Um, it seems so righteous and yet at a heart level, like it's actually just pride. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that kind of plays out through high school. Um, I was involved in anything and everything there was in small to, if you've been from a small town, um, you'll probably resonate with what I'm saying, but in small towns, you either can do nothing and just kind of coast, mm-hmm. or you are trying to be a part of everything and be an officer and everything and be on leadership team for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's ingrained in your identity. And so for me, that was, that was the latter. I wanted to be a part of everything, uh, barring wrestling and football, because I couldn't do that. Couldn't, yeah. But even in that, I wanted to be involved through being a student manager or mm-hmm. what have you. Um, and so there were so many things I did, and I felt like I had to outperform others, or else I was worthless. If I didn't get the leadership position, if I didn't get the presidency of some organization, um, and that was so degrading, or ego filling. Like it was, it was the two opposite ends of the spectrum. There, um, neither of which are healthy because both all both does is it promotes a view of you looking at yourself and only yourself. You are still the center of your universe, whether you feel good about yourself or you feel like you're, you don't have value anymore. Such a
1: good point. Um, it focuses on us. That,
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of my, one of my favorite quotes, it, it goes something along the lines of like, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking mm. about yourself less.
1: It's so good. Mm. Yeah. I, I've heard that before. And the first time I heard that, I, I don't know. It just gave me a whole new light of like, I fall into fake humility a lot where I think I'm being humble. Really. It's a combination of weird flexes and just thinking about myself a lot, not true humility. Like you said, of really keeping our eyes on what is important and not putting our eyes on ourselves. that, I don't know. That's really good.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many, been so many seasons where I've fallen under that false humility of, all right, I actually do feel super prideful about this, but I'm going to lesser that and, uh, give glory to someone else or say that I just, it it wasn't really me that did that Mm -hmm. so that I can look actually better and more humble so that they'll respect me more. (laughs) Yes. I feel you. And so it's just a rabbit trail of us being glory thieves. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. So that kind of plays out high school for you. Um, as I said, I went to college, you know, in Omaha. Um, go Mavs! Go Mavs! Go Mavs! <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's where I met you two, lovely gentlemen. Hey. Um, but yeah, my my freshman year, by this time, I was I was a believer. Actually, knew what the gospel was, and it was personal to me. Um, I wouldn't say I was baby Christian, but at the same time, I had immense room for growth. Mm. Um, and so early on freshman year within the first month, I was like, I need to find a church family, a church home. Um, and I probably for three, four five Sundays just went to various churches. Um, and none of them were bad, but they just didn't, they didn't feel like home. Um, I don't know what it was. I mean, it was probably God's providence. of just saying this, this is not where I have you. Yeah. This is not the community that I ha- will have you in. Mm. Um, not again, not that they're bad or that they weren't preaching the gospel, I just didn't, it, it didn't click. I didn't fit. Um, and so I kind of got discouraged. I gave up for a little while. Um, and then lo and behold, the girl that I was crushing on, <laughs> uh, yeah, she she invited me to City Light U, um, which is now Salt Company, Omaha. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're a college, quick sidebar, if you're a college quick student <laughs> um, and you're not cl- connected with Salt Company or some other ministry in Omaha. Yeah,
1: don't have that um, community.
2: It's it's so influential, yeah. It's Um, huge, and it can really change the trajectory of your life. Um, so this girl I liked uh, invited me, and it was God's grace because, again, I I really liked this girl. I was crushing on her, and also literally just this whole last month, I was looking for a church family. And Uh what drops in my lap? An invitation to go to a church that I hadn't yet tried. Mm Um, so I went to it, and it seeing how intentional the believers there were to not just invite me into some Christian Christian Christianese spiritual Bible study, um, (laughs) but actually loving on me, letting me belong before I believe, even though I already did believe um, it was just mind bogglingly different because what I experienced in this Christian community um, was was immense love that was different than any other love that I've, ex- I'd experienced before. Uh, I mentioned that I work with city groups right now. Yeah. And a large part of that is because when I got plugged into CU, we had these city groups for college, college students. Um, and within city groups, there was a small subsection called huddles. Mm. And within huddles, it was probably the first time that I'd, ever experienced people not only confessing sin when it was asked of them, similar to how an accountability group works. I'm not bashing on them. They, they work, but I feel like they're a band aid to a much deeper problem. Mm-hmm. Hey man, how, how you been? You watch pornography this week. Oh man, let's, uh, let's pray and just try not to do that again. Yeah. Uh, but what was happening here was before they even got asked before there was really any accountability, they'd say, Hey man, this is eating me up. This is the guilt I'm feeling. And I need you guys to shepherd me well. I need you to pour into me and speak truth into me. Here's how I've messed up this week. And so they, they were actually being the ones to initiate running wow. to confess sin. Wow. Um, which was so foreign to me because, and I think it's natural to anyone, we want to hide up our, yes. our flaws. We want to hide mm-hmm. up where we've fallen Um, because we want to look good. We want to prop yeah. ourselves up. Yes. And it's just so painful to bring those up because you know, you, you feel like they're going to, their perception of you is going to decrease there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was just hugely impactful for me because what I saw here was radically different than anywhere else, any other community that I'd been a part of before. Um, and so that's one of the main reasons that huddles and city groups are near and dear to me. And that's why I'm in here right now. That's why I work, uh, in, in ministry. Um, But going back to freshman year, um, that's kind of what, like, I I got plugged into CLU because of the girl, but I stayed because of the community there. Mm. Um, I stayed because I saw the gospel at work. It wasn't just lines on a page. It was people actually living that out. Yes. Um, Sorry, I'm trying to think of, like, what comes after freshman year. (laughs) (laughs) Sophomore year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So that was kind of freshman year. Um, Sophomore year because freshman year was so influential in, in my growth filled with, uh, city groups like that vulnerability had nothing to do, but to radically breed growth, mm-hmm. spiritually maturity. Um, and so my sophomore year, again, bringing back into my roots, that pride, uh, there was nothing I wanted to do more than become a city group leader. Mm-hmm. Like that's a position of leadership. And I did want to, lead and shepherd these people and teach them, uh, how to study the Bible. Well, I didn't want to love on them, but in a more real sense, an underlying sense, like, I think I just wanted that leadership, that title, that position of authority, um, where people would look at me and see, man, that guy is doing all the right stuff. Um, regardless, I did get accepted. I did become a Citigroup leader. Um, and that's actually where I met Clay. Yes. Uh, And Vaughn, I met you freshman year. I I forgot to bring that in. Um, Yeah, thanks, bro. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, I was thinking I met you sophomore year. Um, But no, Clay, I met you um, just randomly one time at at our city group. Yes. And I think that first night, you weren't a believer yet, but you had, over the summer, just had someone reach out to you, and they're like, hey, man, I'd love for you to go to church with me. Yeah. Um, And that was just hugely influential there Mm -hmm. um and so i got to experience in that city group shepherding you uh being in a huddle with you just pouring into you um i gotta see you just blossom and the lord move in you uh just radically so that's kind of my that's how i met clay initially yeah
1: that Uh, was so it's so crazy looking back and i'm so thankful it's cool to see you know from your perspective you see your own intentions of pride, maybe in wanting to be a leader, and realistically, we you know we're sinful and we're going to go into anything with, in some some way, shape, or form, intentions that aren't perfect. But God used your leadership in huge ways in my walk, mm. even before I knew Him, and played a big role in me coming to know That's Him. Good. So it's just really cool
2: to see. Mm. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. But yeah, like looking back on that, I could see so many different areas of just pride on pride on pride. Mm. Um, and so I, I felt like I, I kind of messed up that year. Like I, I was not a good city group leader because I didn't have the right heart posture behind it. Mm. Um, and so I think part of the reason this is awful on a tangent, but I think part of the reason that I wanted to come in just share my testimony, my story, yeah. um, is because I'm, I'm one of the people who quote has been a Christian my whole life in mm. quote, mm-hmm. uh, even though that's not not really the case like that's that's what i was grown and um that's what i believed for the majority of my life yeah and for the for the vast majority of that whenever i've been asked to share my testimony man i feel discouraged because i didn't have that rock bottom moment i didn't have that moment where i just was doing everything wrong and then jesus came in yeah um and so i just felt like i was a completely average Person, where obviously I was very sinful, but it, it felt like I was I was pretty decent, um, and I don't know. It, it just didn't have that that powerful yeah. effect, um, and so the reason I wanted to come and share is the Lord has just revealed that like that is not a right view. That is decreasing and a very low perception of the holiness of God and and his ability to work on our hearts. Because the fact that I'm standing here a born again believer is nothing short of a miracle. Like I yes I didn't hear the gospel and just accept it of my own free accord with no working on by the Holy Spirit. Like it's nothing but grace and a miracle that I am here as a Christian. Yes. Um, I love it. So, yeah, I say that So to say that if you are similar to me and like, you've kind of always been a believer, um, your story is not powerless. It's
1: so powerful.
2: If anything, like there's probably a fair amount of people who would resonate more with you than yeah. someone who, who did have that, uh, rock bottom moment. Yes. And so for you to mm-hmm. get up and share your testimony, like I want to empower you in that because by you doing that, you may affect someone In a way that no one else could.
1: Yes, completely. Those feelings that you have, and I have those feelings at times, I'm sure Vaughn does, where you're like, oh, my story's not as cool as someone else's or not as impactful. Those are lies, you know, because it's not even our story, it's God's story. Mm -hmm. And I love how you said that even us, you know, us crossing over from death to eternal life with Christ, that's the biggest miracle that could ever happen. Mm -hmm. But we, we undersell that, I feel like. So I don't know. I'm so encouraged by you.
2: Yeah. Um, so that was sophomore year, um, going forward junior year. I was a city group leader again, uh, this time with, with that being revealed of like, man, I need to have like a different heart posture and going into this, um, not to prop myself up, not to be prideful and arrogant, um, but to actually give this glory to God. Um, Junior year, there was a lot of growth, but I don't think there was necessarily any like huge, significant, profound moment. Um, so I, I can't remember anything specific about junior year. That being said, after junior year, uh, I went with Crew. At UNO, we didn't have Crew, um, which is why I was a part of City Like You. Mm-hmm. Yet we still love what Crew does. Yes. And so I got plugged into a Crew summer mission in San Diego. Hey. And so for 10 weeks... Uh, We went to San Diego and just lived there doing mission, doing ministry. Really Um, cool. And what I didn't know before I signed up was the first five weeks, you were there with all the other college students and the staff uh, and everyone. But then the next five weeks, the last five weeks of the mission – the staff just dips out they just leave and the students are left to <laughs> like you
1: got to, this <laughs> to
2: finish and run the race well yeah, to actually cool. set keep in motion what they started
1: i love the model
2: and that was super growing um continuing on my theme of pride uh what i recognize there is the first five weeks were great um and when probably week four came around, they started the staff started to discuss, okay, who do we want in leadership to take over for us to lead the summer mission, to help lead the fight um, and the charge in this. And I was told that unanimous, unanimously by all the staff, like I was, I was kind of voted on to be the co-director, like the director for the guys. Yeah. And wow. It, it, you were mentioning earlier kind of the difference between true humility and false humility. Mm-hmm. And man, I experienced this on a, such a real <laughs> way there because initially all of, all of three seconds, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually that. pretty good. I, uh-huh. I should, why, why shouldn't I be considered for this? Like yes. I am probably the Just most mature the guy here
1: instead of like, yep. Mm-hmm. And
2: then, like I said, that was probably three seconds. And uh-huh. then after that, I was like, "Wow, you are so prideful. You're so arrogant. Mm-hmm. Um, who are you to say that? Like, you're above these other guys?" Yeah. And so I went immediately from one end of the spectrum to the other of being like, "Man, I'm actually like that right there is the is the reason that I should not be considered for this." Mm-hmm. And so I was downplaying the work that Jesus has done in my life. Mm-hmm. And a good buddy of mine, Jake Peterson. Hey, shout out!
1: Shout out! Come on the show, Jake. Come on the show, JP.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He was student staff that year because he'd went the previous year, and he had to press in and be like, "What you're doing right now? Like, I get what you're trying to do, but that in and of itself is pride. You are downplaying what what Christ has done in your life, and what you're doing is not focusing less on yourself." or not focusing on yourself less, you're focusing less on yourself. Mm. Um, and he didn't use those exact words, but, but yeah. like what he was saying was true. In that moment, I was still being prideful. It was just a false humility. Mm. Um, and so it took that to actually get me on solid ground of, no, I'm here because God has called me to be here. Uh, he has called me to, for these next five weeks lead leave these guys. And it's nothing, like it's not because of what I've done, but oh. it's simply because this is, this is ha- what he's destined. This is, this is yes. what he's um, had for this. So yeah, it took Jake actually pressing in on that and uh, confronting about me about that saying like, no, you're, you're in sin here um, for me to get on that ground and actually accept that position. Um, and so over the next five weeks, there were plenty of moments where it, it was just, it was really growth-filled. Um, because I no longer was simply a student, actually having a shepherd over me. Um, but in a way, I was I was an under shepherd, shepherding over those college students. There was sixty two other hooligans, Six, <laughs> 61, I had one uh, co co leader, and
1: <laughs> a lot of hooligans. Well, yeah, and I bunch. knew
2: I knew <laughs> one person before, one other student before I went there, mm-hmm. and so in those five weeks, I had to. Make sure that nothing happened to where they they ruined the name of San Diego Summer Mission mm-hmm. um, for future years. And at the same time, actually ensured that what we set in motion for the first five weeks, we continued to do. We continued to go to college campuses and evangelize. Uh, and yet it wasn't like a checklist that we were doing, but actually casting yeah. vision for that.
1: Yeah, like that's what we want to do. That's what we came to do.
2: Yeah. And so it was, it was a super growth-filled time where I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and there was multiple times where I think I had, I had to rely on others, um, which was really good for, for actually minimizing my pride in that. And so this was a hugely influential, um, season of my life because I think this is truly where I got that first ideation of maybe I'm called to ministry. Um, it was affirmed by, actually that that question of, hey, will you step into leadership for the last half of the mission? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there was that desire of, man, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but it certainly isn't engineering or real estate. Yeah, And I do want not just my life to have Jesus be a part of it, but I want this life to solely focus on on the gospel, I want to live my life for the glory of God. Yes. Um, and so I think this summer was truly the first time that, like, God actually revealed, "No, I have a future for you in ministry." Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was a hard thing because I think when we hear, especially for guys, like, "Oh, I'm going into ministry," we think, "Oh, you're going to be a preacher. Mm-hmm. You're going to be a lead pastor." Mm-hmm. And I've never felt that—not once. Yeah. Um, which
1: is completely okay. But there's a part of us that like, that's what people expect. That's what you expect.
2: Yeah. That's, that's kind of just the first thought. And so that was my first thought too, of like, I am resistant to this because I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it it took a few more years to kind of realize like, where am I gifted at? What do I actually enjoy? What gives me life in ministry? Um, and that's kind of where I started processing through like, okay, what was the, what was the first thing that, really drew me close. And that was city groups. Mm. Um, nothing special about the process or the, we say program at City Light, Uh like we want to be a church of programs, but at the same time that provides structure, uh, where real moments can be had real heart change can be had. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And so that transitioned into senior year where, uh, I kind of started that conversation with our college director of like, Hey, what would it look like for me to, to come on staff Shout after I'm done? JR. John JR.
1: <laughs> on the show. AKA Randall the Vandal. Come on <laughs> the show, bro. Ron Sandals. Ron, Ron Sandals. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so I was like, what would it look like for me to to come on staff after I'm done here at college and take a seat in life to support raise um, so that I can actually see how this plays out, see if like, I actually am called to ministry or if this is not something that the Lord has for me. Mm. Um, and so he was super gracious for me or gracious to me. And, uh, he actually let me, I don't know if I would. Um, (laughs) no, I'm just kidding. I would, I wouldn't. uh, (laughs) (laughs) No. So, uh, yeah, after I was done with, with my college degree, uh, I came on staff at city like you worked in college ministry for a year and a half. Um, and through that college ministry is almost like a, a mini church in the sense that. It does almost everything that like the the local church does. It's just age specific. Mm-hmm. Um, they have their weekly meetings. They have their city groups and huddles. They have times of worship. Um, they have going out on campus, which I would argue that the local church does, but not in an organized space. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so it was really really good to experience that firsthand and actually figure out, okay, what has the Lord gifted me in? Um, and so it took probably a year of that year and a half to figure out, man, I almost feel like I would be a better fit in city groups because that, that focuses more in on the, uh, not one-on-many where you're, you're preaching. Um, but the one-on-one, one-on, two or three, just the small group interactions of how can I encourage and exhort you as a brother in Christ and equip you so that you can go on and equip others. Um, And so that, yeah, that kind of leads to where I'm at now. I don't know, does that that do it for you guys?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's so crazy to look back how fast since we met, I mean, what, four or five years ago, how fast that's gone by, but so cool. Now you're running after Citigroup's full-time. Mm-hmm. I was a part of the first city group you ever led. That was before I knew Christ. I don't know. It just it's cool how
0: it sort of all comes full circle sometimes. Yeah, it's funny. The same girl that brought you to City Light was the same girl that brought me to City Light too. So, <laughs> yep, yep. so crazy. So, but uh, so so no, thanks for sharing. Yeah,
1: yeah. Seriously, it. I don't know. Your story's so cool. Thanks for being bold.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I I think we joke about that. It's the same girl that brought a few people to City Light. Oh yeah. Um, and honestly, I don't know. I haven't talked with her for probably a few years, um, but it's so cool to see. Like that's what it took for God to bring us together in a community and to actually draw us near to Him. Yeah. Um, and so praise be to God for that. I like. Mm-hmm. I know we joke about that, but man, that's that's God's grace right there.
1: A hundred percent. A. But yeah, thanks, Dustin.
0: All right, bro. Thanks for sharing. Uh, you know what time it is, Valley the Hyenas. Let's get it. Let's get it, baby. Uh, First question that I got for you, Dustin. Um, I guess I'm just curious. How does one, you know, you grew up in the church. Me and Clay didn't grow up in a Christian household. Like, how does one make the gospel personal, especially like you growing up in the church? Um, Like, you know, me and Clay, we've had moments where we come to a realization, like, to like a low point and like, okay, we need something other than ourselves. And we just know because of the people who've planted seeds and you're honestly one of them in both of our lives. Um, but for the people who grew up in a Christian household, how did you make that? And when did you specifically, when did you make that more personal? Was it middle school, high school? I might've missed it, but how does one kind of make it more personal, the, the relationship with Jesus?
2: Yeah, dude, I, I totally get that. That's a good question. Um, I think first and foremost, like we can't will ourselves to understand the deeper meaning behind it. Um, and so first and foremost, like God has to reveal it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that might be common sense to some of us, but like, I don't want to overlook that. It's sure. yeah, um,
1: yeah. a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So one God, God's just got to reveal it to you. Um, open up the eyes of your heart mm-hmm. um, for you to see that. And, I mean, something that I'm thinking of right now is uh, we do this thing at say Light called soaping, and other churches have different methods of how to read the Bible, um, but this one is called SOAP because if you, if you walk through that, S stands for scripture, O stands for observation, A for application, and then P for prayer. Mm-hmm. And it's just a tool for you to use to read the Bible, not as words on a page, um, but actually get stuff out of it mm. as as food for you spiritual food yeah um, and so like i don 't know if i 'd expect any middle schooler going through this to know how to read the Bible in that sense um i don 't know like me as a sc- middle schooler would not have been soaping through my Bible mm. um, but speaking outside of that, like I think that 's a very good tool for you to see, okay, what is the Bible saying number one? what do I see in that? Like what characters are there? Um, How are they responding? What's happening? Yeah. Number three, like how does this, this is how obviously it applied to them back then, Mm -hmm. but how does it apply to me now knowing that the gospel is a real thing, that Jesus did come down to die on my behalf um, so that I could be made right with God. So how does it apply to me now? Um, And then for just actually taking time to pray about it because, Pray. Prayer is really your your intimate time with the Lord, um, and I think so often that can be kind of put on the back burner.
1: So easy, especially
2: to like especially for me, like that's something that I found out that I just don't do as good of a job of that as I should. Um, mm. And I think all believers to an extent do that because, yeah. for being honest, it's not really feasibly possible. But we should be in prayer in communion with God twenty four seven. Yes, prayer um, without ceasing. Yeah, so like that that's what we'll do one day in eternity. Yes. Um, it'll be a different sense of, quote, praying. <laughs> right. uh-huh. But uh, yeah, so sorry, to go back to that, like I don't know if, like I wouldn't have done that as a middle schooler, um, but I think that's that's a very good tool to help with that. And I mean, the other thing is, man, you just have to, to trust that the Lord does raise up labors to call those that he's called to help lead those, he's called. Um Mm -hmm. and so for me, that was that's partially my parents, partially um some of the church staff in which I grew up, um partially just friends. Uh like it, it was multiple different people pouring into me and sharing, okay, now what did you read and how does that affect you? Um like why is this something to be pursued? Um and why is it more than simply just an event that happened? And so it took people actually pressing in on that. Um, and so obviously for you guys, you've had different people considering that like you didn't grow up in that environment. Um, and yet the the result, the experience of that is, is the same. Like you yeah. guys now know how that's personal to you, know how that, um, yeah, know the application. Um,
1: that's such a good point. Yeah. And I think, I love that you hit on that because now for us, and for those listening who know Christ, it's even more motivation and just inspiration to pray for laborers and for leaders to then raise up the next generation of believers or or, or to r- pursue people who don't know Christ. And then if you're in a situation like me and Vaughn were, you know, when we were freshman, sophomore, junior in college, we haven't trusted in Christ yet. Look for someone to lead you, mm-hmm. to point you to the truth, because that is so huge and yeah. such a big part of it.
2: I mean, scripture says, well, Jesus said, like, you you do not have because you do not ask. Yeah. Um, And I think so often we can take that out of context. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, what what he's essentially saying there is just ask me with a true heart. Yes. um, And me as a good father if any other worldly father would love to give his children gifts, like how much more would I as the, the good father love to give you as my child, my beloved gift. Let's go so much more. Um, And he knows what we need. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think part of it is really like, are we genuinely with sincere faith asking for God to make himself known to us? Are we trying to, Fill a checkbox. Are we trying mm-hmm. to be spiritual so that others can look more highly of us? Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, like I, I honestly think if we if we genuinely ask with sincere hearts, sincere faith, like Lord, would you make yourself known to me? Mm-hmm. Would you reveal yourself to me? Mm-hmm. Like we have to trust that He'll be faithful in that, mm-hmm. right? Yes. The Lord has never not been faithful. Oh, right. No
1: totally. I love it. That's such a good point. Thanks for hitting on that, Dustin. Okay, I have a question for you. I think one theme that I heard you, when you were sharing your story that I just heard come up multiple times, I I feel like had to do with your identity. And when you were sharing earlier, I know you mentioned those were your friends or whoever had that nickname for you. They were having fun and it wasn't meant like that. But when they said, when they would call you broken, I mean, I think to anyone, that's somewhere that's going to hit deep. That's going to hit you deeply in a way. For sure, when you're younger and you aren't sure what your identity is, and then it seems like at other times your your identity maybe was in you know just struggling with pride and maybe with leading a city group at the time. Maybe your identity was in that or something mm-hmm. else. Could you talk about now that you're firmly rooted? Obviously, we all still struggle. Um, not that your life is perfect now by any means, but now that Christ is your foundation. How does that change in identity impact your day to day, or what does that change in identity look like?
2: Yeah, so I'm actually really glad you asked this, um, because this you're asking about like the dichotomy of am I too prideful at times, or am I just kind of down in the dumps, not knowing where my identity and worth is? Mm. Um, and those are the two ends of the spectrum, and we we experience both. Sometimes at the same time, yeah. Which yeah. I don't know how it's possible, but I've definitely but done it. I have too. Um, and so that that kind of brings me back to Act Two. I don't know if I have a lifelong verse, but if I if I do, then this is probably it. Let's and it's it. it's Second Corinthians twelve nine and ten, mm. and Paul in there is saying, um, but he being Jesus said to me. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Yes. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. So the power of Christ may rest upon me mm. for the sake of Christ. Then I am content and all my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for when I am weak, then I am strong. Mm. Um, and what he's saying there is I will boast like I could boast in myself and I probably have reason to because Paul worked harder than any of the other apostles. Um, so, he had, he had valid reason to boast in himself. But what he's saying is I should be boasting in my weakness because in my weaknesses, I have nowhere else to look except to the Father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is my strength. He is the very source of my strength. Um, and if I try and derive strength from myself, like I will come crashing down. Yeah. I'll think I'm strong until I'm not, and then suddenly I'll feel incredibly weak and fragile. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I if I boast in my weaknesses, so that I'm actually focusing not on me but on on him, then what I'm actually doing is driving such a, a firm foundation of strength that will not fail. Um, so yeah, that's that's been such a life first uh, for me again. If I if I Soul had a life purging. first, because that really does play into my entire theme of my story is there's moments of incredible, just pure pride. And there's moments where I do feel broken physically, spiritually, emotionally, you name it. Like that Mm. rings true. Mm. And I could stay there and try and find my own strength, my own satisfaction, my own worth and identity, my own approval. Um, But like ultimately that, that will fail and it yeah. has failed so many times. Um, and so it's it's not until I rest in the finished and complete work that Jesus has done for me on the cross um, that I actually can accept, you no, know, the Lord is my strength. Uh, the, God is my father who doesn't just get me in as a citizen of heaven, but like actually chose to adopt me as his son. Yes, mm-hmm. um, He so, so lovingly, values me, not only because I was created in his image. Um, but again, like he, he wanted me part of his family. And when he looks at me, he sees his own son. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's my worth and value. There's my satisfaction. There's my joy. There's my strength. Um, and yes. So what I was seeking in every other area of my life, um, before I was a believer, before I was actually a Christian, I actually find Christ. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that, I'm, I'm glad you asked that. That's
1: an amazing answer. And there's just so much peace in knowing, hey, your identity, when you follow Christ, your identity isn't based on what you do, because we do go through this back and forth of feeling down in the dumps or feeling over, overly prideful. But when you're a follower of Christ, your identity doesn't have to be those highs and lows. It's it's not about what you've done. It's about what Jesus did for you, mm-hmm. right? And he's constant. He's constantly perfect and constantly loves us. So I don't know. That gives me a lot of peace and encouragement.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Tim Keller actually has a a quote on this. Yes. Um, Read it for us. So I'm probably going to, I'm paraphrasing this, but it's it's essentially him speaking about the gospel. The gospel is this, uh, that you are more sinful and flawed than you could ever dare imagine. Mm. But you're also, at the same time, in in Jesus Christ, you are more loved and yes. uh, cared for than you ever dared hope. Wow! And so that's
1: that's so good. Oh, uh, that's what it's all about. You know, I wow that that truth. I needed to hear that, so thank you because I mean, it's easy for me to forget that.
2: Looking back on every moment of like every moment of pride that I just shared in my in my story yeah, I can see my sin and my flaw. My flaws exceptionally well. Like I kind of see that I suck. Yeah. Um, And through that, like God's been faithful to not keep me there, but to actually see, no, through you seeing your sinfulness, you're actually also going to see my holiness. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, God's holy. God is faithful. And he's not just a distant transcendent God who's above us and distant. Um, but he actually wants to be near with us. He wants to be in communion or uh, fellowship with us. Um, So yeah, take that for what it's worth.
0: Yeah. Great answer. That's good. Uh I, I actually recently saw that quote. I can't remember where or when it was like within the last two weeks, but yeah, this is it here. We are more sinful and flawed than we ever dared believed yet more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dare hoped. Mm. yeah so good um gosh and then that's funny that you mentioned second corinthians because i think david mentioned that too david miller yeah um and and his episode
2: same verse or what
0: oh yeah Uh uh-huh yeah it's such a good verse um yeah i don't know it's really good but uh, a question that i have for you dustin so in that moment of you know when you uh when you looked at porn and your parents sat you down, I don't know if it was a whole family or whatever it was, but you know, they show you just just tremendous grace. How has that affected um like now or when you're ministering to guys in college, when you're ministering to just guys now, um, how how has that time affected uh, being in ministry. Cause you know, that's a big problem with guys is pornography and lust. And I know I've confessed some of that sin before, in the, uh, sure. with you. Um, uh, but yeah, how did, how did that moment affect, um, yeah, just ministering to, to guys who, who struggle with that?
2: Yeah. I think it, I think it all kind of boils down to how open are you going to be with your sin? Are you going to like it, imagine you were shot with a gunshot wound. Are you going to walk around trying to hide it? Or are you going to allow a surgeon to come in and actually take out the bullet and heal you? Mm. Um, And so ministering to other guys, like I first and foremost have to be excruciatingly, even though it's excruciatingly painful, like I have to be vulnerable about where I've fallen in this. Mm -hmm. Um, Like practically speaking, someone's not going to open up about themselves, their ugly side unless they first see you lead by example. Yes. Um, That's good. And so regardless of whether or not they share, like I want to be faithful to be vulnerable in that mm-hmm. and share, okay, here's where I have seen my sin. Here's where I've seen God redeem me in that. Um, and here's how the gospel applies to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I I do That's honestly good. think that vulnerability just breeds spiritual growth. <laughs>
1: that's really good leading in vulnerability is huge it's huge yeah Yeah. it's just that burden of going first i've heard someone say it that way of you know when you're the one having to break the ice or share something you've gone through it's really hard but if someone is willing to say hey i struggle with this too it makes it so much easier to open up Mm. we all have gunshot wounds right in your analogy but if someone's just willing to say hey i've been wounded i have wounds you know but I've given it over to Christ. Yeah. That makes it so much easier to share yours.
0: No, now you just have scars. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny because, like, because you know, you and I did high school ministry for a season, and it's funny, like, and that's something I learned too. Like, lead, be the first one to get. I like what you said, Clay. What Would you say um,
1: the burden of going first, yeah, taking that burden?
0: First. Yep. <laughs> it's so funny because, especially with high schoolers, you're like, oh yeah. So it doesn't just what happened hoping that someone, someone took, else but will they, open up most of the time because they they're teenagers like,
1: and they're all just like oh dang you struggle with that i don't or they, <laughs> yeah they're like, the like okay we, we all struggle
0: with something right you know? <laughs> yeah but that's such a good that's such great advice and that's a good way to say it too clay so
2: i think so yeah. often it's it's a topic that we want to sweep under the rug because it is an ugly topic when we talk about this is where i've sinned in this in this area because it's something that like we want to hide way more than some of the other stuff we do Um, because of that ugly aspect. We don't want others to think lowly of us. Like that's all the more reason to get it out there in the open. Mm -hmm. Amen.
1: That's good. All right, Dustin, here, here's something I want to hear you talk about a little bit. You mentioned at one point in your story, when you were sharing about this concept of being able to belong somewhere, this concept of belonging before you believe you know and in mm, in your situation that was when you first came to city like you i believe in your situation you already did have your faith placed in christ you did believe but i just think that is such an important thing is just being able to cultivate an atmosphere whether it's with your friends whether it's with your city group whether it's with the ministry you're a part of or at work whatever where people can belong and feel hey i'm welcome here even if they don't believe what you believe and then use that to be able to point people back. I feel like that is super huge, you know, because we don't want to go into the, into those situations saying, Hey, if you don't believe what I believe you aren't welcome, mm-hmm. you know, because that's not the gospel. The reason why we share that, why we share what we believe is because of Christ's love for us. So mm-hmm. how, how do you go about creating that community mm-hmm. and just that culture?
2: Well, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that in completion. Um, but like we, we love scripture. And so just to yes. point it back to scripture, Let's um, go. one of the verses that we had to memorize in San Diego um, was Titus three, three through five. And I think this, mm. like, I, I still know this um, just because it's so like it, keep, it, it reminds us as believers where we once were. And that gives us um, the strength to operate out of love um, rather than almost a judgy, I figured this out now. Why can't you? Um, which I would argue is our natural default. Like we, once we figured it out, once we are a believer, once we've quote figured it out, uh-huh. <laughs> um, like it, it's so easy to get frustrated when other people don't get it. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And so Titus three, three through five. richly through jesus our christ jesus christ our savior Mm. um so that being justified by his grace i'm actually extending on here a little bit so that being justified by his grace we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life Mm. um so that that puts us in a right posture to remember we were saved out of pure grace not by our own merit yes Mm -hmm. and so like we can't boast in our own selves Mm. on any, on any accord. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's not our position. And we have to remember that we once were not only like, we weren't neutral spiritually, but we were straight enemies of God. Um, Yes. And, and still like while we were, Still sinners, while we were enemies of God, He saved us, Mm. according to His mercy, according to His grace, according to His love. He saved us. Yes. Um. And so I think we have to recognize that these people who are operating out of a identity that is not placed in Jesus Christ, like they're in that same boat that we once were. And so who are we to 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 act any differently than to put on display? Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Like we have to operate and be a beacon so that they don't see us as a good Christian. um, But like they, they see the gospel in what we say and how we act um, because what, what better way to get someone to believe than to actually have them see Jesus.
1: Yes. Um, Amen. Yeah. That was a great, great verse a couple verses there dustin and i think it just brings me back to something that me and Vaughn have talked about before is this idea when we are a part of a group or a part of a community or anything like that and even with this podcast we we don't we want anyone to be able to listen or in our communities we want anyone to be able to come and feel welcomed and not feel comfortable not feel uncomfortable by anything we want them to be feel very comfortable the only thing we want to make them uncomfortable is the gospel. Mm-hmm. And just that weight of, hey, there is an eternity, and that, that is real, and the weight of that, the weight of my sin is death. you know The weight of my sin is death, but if I trust in Christ, I have eternal life. I want that to make them uncomfortable in a good way. But nothing else, not our maybe some things that we do or just the way that we act or certain things that we like, I don't want that to turn anyone off or make them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? yeah I want to cultivate it an atmosphere where anyone else feels like, hey, I can, I can come. I can be a part of this, and I can feel loved. A verse that came to mind, a couple verses that came to mind when, when you were saying that, Dustin, that just encouraged me so much, in Romans 5, 6 through 8, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Mm-hmm. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us.
2: Preacher, brother. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, that, that has just hit me really hard. And that's part of what you were getting at is this idea. We did nothing to earn our relationship with God, zero percent. Mm-hmm. So we can't then both, like when we try to boast about that or when we look at others and, and look at them with judgment, that's completely the opposite mm-hmm. of what Christ is
0: calling us into. Mm-hmm. Okay, so hmm, this is a, question that i i thought of near the end of your story dustin so you're you're in ministry you know and and you were saying how the tail end of college you're like i know i want to be in ministry i didn't want to do engineering i didn't want to do real estate um and so and you said i might butcher it but but you said my question i guess is like if you weren't working in ministry how do you let Jesus be the focal point of your day to day life? You said you said something along the lines like, "I want to be in ministry so that could be the focal point of my day to day life." And I'm in ministry now. And to be honest, um, it's just because I'm in ministry doesn't mean like it's like my my passion for the Lord is there as if like like right. it, it, like in my secular job right. when I was working there, I was like. I had to spend time with my quiet time. Um, I had to spend time with the Lord to sustain, to sustain me, uh, with the rest of my work day. And this is something me and, and Megan have talked about. Um, and like now that we're both in ministry, it's like, it's almost, you get so licentious about it. You're just like, Oh, well, Jesus is around anyways. Like, but then you neglect your mm. time with the Lord, you know? So talk about that experience a little bit. You know, like how do you, you know, lead and hear from the Lord and, and spend that quality time and not take it for granted just because you're in ministry? And then how would that look like? Because I know you did work uh, a secular job. You had like an internship too, right? At UP and stuff like yep. that, right? Yep. Yeah, talk a little bit about that. Does that all makes sense? Mm-hmm. Let me know if any clear anything up for that.
2: Yeah, I mean, so the first thing I want to come out and say is, like, I just want to clarify that I didn't go into ministry because I was thinking, Oh, this is the more prestigious, the more religious, like, If you actually want to live for the Lord, you'll be in ministry. Right. Um, like I want to clarify that because that's not at all what I want to communicate. communicate. Mm -hmm. Um, like I know so many people that I respect a great deal who I would have, I would have them lead me and mentor me for the rest of my life if I could that are not working in ministry. And that's because God has not called them to it. Um, That does not mean that they are not ministering in that. Right. Um, So that's the first thing I want to say is like, I don't want those of you listening to this to idolize vocational ministry as like the ideal more spiritual thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do want to clarify that. And then you asked like, what would it, what would it look like if I wasn't in ministry? Yeah. Yeah, so I I think the danger going to going to what you said, I think the danger in working in ministry is that what you're doing, while while you read your bible, while you're praying, um, doing all these spiritual disciplines and interacting and ministering and shepherding and equipping, it almost you almost start to view it as work because it is work. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I wouldn't say that's wrong, Mm -hmm. but that's the danger is you're not, you're not feeding yourself in that you're doing it so that you can feed others. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you do start to like, if you're not careful about it, like you do start to neglect that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's the danger of anyone thinking about going in ministry. You have to guard your hearts well, and you have to lead yourself uh, and have others continue to lead you before you can lead others. Yes. Like you can't lead someone where you've not been, mm. um, and so that's that's the danger. And you have to guard your hearts in that absolutely. Mm-hmm. What would it look like if I did not work in ministry? Um, I don't know completely because, I mean, I, straight out of college, I did I did start in ministry. Um, I have had other jobs, but in all honesty, I don't I don't know if the day to day would look different um, or radically different. That is, I think the key difference is where I'm at right now working in a church, Mm -hmm. not only is sharing the gospel and like actually being in places where I can teach and equip people in that, not only is that discouraged, but it's actually encouraged. Um, Mm. when I worked at UP, like I could, I could ask very broad questions to try and figure out people's backgrounds. Uh Um, where I could, in love, try and actually see if that door's open or closed. Yeah, yeah. But, like, it's unprofessional and it's it's discouraged to be like, hey, man, so you go to church, tell me about Jesus. Do yeah. you believe in him? Yeah,
1: that's and, like a sore, sore subject for people.
2: And that's a hard thing for those of you that are not in ministry. That's a hard question. Is like, how do I yeah. live on mission towards those that got has place in my life when I'm working in this job? Mm. And so, if I'm being real, I don't know how that would look specifically, mm-hmm. um, but I know that that's, that's probably the big difference is where I'm at right now, it's celebrated. And so, it's it's easier for me to actually be in those moments and exhort one another in that. I don't yeah. know if that answers your question. No, there's, there's no wrong answer. Okay. okay. That's, and that's
1: a great answer. And I love how you said, I, I think in a lot of ways, it wouldn't look that drastically different. That because if at the end of the day, whether you're working at a church or you're working, you know, for me, I design bridges, Vaughn works at a church, my wife is a teacher. At the end of the day, even though maybe Dustin, you're, you're nine to five, you're helping people lead their groups, Vaughn, you're nine to five, you're helping students grow closer to the Lord. At the end of the day, we're still just trying to honor Christ in what we're doing. Right. So I'm looking for opportunities. And at my job, hey, how can I love these people well? You're mm-hmm. doing the same thing. Right. You know, exactly. it just, the context might be a little different, but I think it's a really important question. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, we're disciples and yes. we have to understand how we're a disciple in order for us to make disciple makers. Mm-hmm. And we cannot put those of us who work at a church on a pedestal saying they're the religious elite. No, right. like that, yes. You I cannot agree. do that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. in my pride wants, wants that to happen. But like, if I'm being real, that cannot happen because that's, that's so dangerous to, mm-hmm. to idolize that. Yes. Um, and so it's just a, a question you got to wrestle with of in my specific scenario in the people that God has put in my life, how can I live intentionally on mission towards them so that I can share the gospel with them um, so that, yeah, like I can see fruit and one day see them in eternity mm-hmm. so that they can know Jesus as I know Jesus.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. The most the most fruitful thing you can do is just to be faithful where God is calling you into. And it's easy for us to want to compare those in an earthly way, or maybe one calling is cooler or better, but it's not, you know? Okay. I, I have one more question for you, Dustin. And this is, I'm really curious to see how you handle this and, and what you think, because for me, this is something I struggle with, and so I want you to sort of talk about the gray area that you you talked about a couple times. I, I don't know what you want to call it, but this idea, there are multiple times in your story where you mentioned you did something with, you know, in some ways it was a good heart. Hey, maybe your passion or, you know, when you wanted to minister to the student in high school who was the great football player, the... He was really good at everything, right? So there was a part of you that w- wanted to connect with him because you felt called to that, but then also your flesh was a part of that, you know, or maybe when you first started leading a city group, part of that is that what God's calling you into, part of that is leadership sounds really cool, and it's sort of a flex. And I've, I've been in those situations before where I'm not doing something, there's a part of me that's doing it to honor God. There's a part of it that's doing it for myself. How do you wrestle through that? How have you seen God work in the midst of that? And is that something you still struggle with today? Because I, I, I do struggle with that, of scenarios where I'm like, there is a part of me that's obeying God in this, but also there's a part of me that's doing this because it benefits me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I still wrestle with that. I think we'd be foolish to say that we don't wrestle with that. Um in any extent, like we, we are still sinful. We have not conquered sin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I would be foolish to say that I don't wrestle with that today. Yeah. Um, but I would also be foolish to say that like God hasn't redeemed that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there has been growth and maturity in that. Um, but yeah, that, that question reminded me of Galatians five sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I'm <laughs> So, but I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Mm. And at first glance, like you can very easily gloss over that and say, okay, cool. The flesh and the spirit are opposed to each other. Got it. We're good. Um, But like, further unpacking that text as you meditate on that what has been revealed to me at least is the way in which to walk in the spirit is not by not walking in the flesh mm. it says mm. uh it says walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh mm. and so, so it's
1: it's not like anti walking in the flesh it's proactive like walk in the spirit you to, know what i mean it's to use like, the example
2: mm. of pornography because that's such a real issue to uh, i think many of us that's something that's hard to conquer yeah is i could say okay i watched this last night and how can i find the strength to not do it it's not by saying okay i just can't watch pornography again mm, like that mm-hmm. that will fail mm-hmm. i yeah. tried it tried it again and it will fail we need something outside
1: of ourselves right yeah. so that is
2: the way to not gratify the desire of the flesh yeah. Is to walk by the spirit mm. to be, to let mm. that control you. Yes. Um, and so I, let's go, I forget what your initial question is, but they, that reminded me of that. Yeah. Um, because I, I think that's the way in which we can start to see victory over our sin, over our pride, whatever the the sin is in that, um, oh, no, it's to just sure. be controlled by the spirit to allow the spirit to work in us yes. and through us. Um, rather than just trying to will ourselves into submission.
1: Yes, completely. What I've noticed in my own story, and maybe you can relate, is there are times where I do things with the wrong intentions, or maybe there's a part of my heart that isn't aligned with God. He's still going to use it for His glory, right? So at the end of the day, like I know God's going to work all things together for the good of those who love Him. I know He's going to use anything I do for the right reasons or for the wrong reasons for His glory, at the end of the day, I'm the one that's missing out when I'm doing it with the wrong heart. You know, I'm selling myself short of being able to have joy in serving Christ in that way. I don't know. I just am also encouraged though by from your perspective. There are times in your story where you you could see you could see your heart of like, hey, maybe your heart isn't perfect in that. I've seen God still use it. And so, if you're someone listening, you don't need to be perfect for God to use you. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, even if your intentions in something aren't 100 percent perfect god can and will still use it Mm -hmm. and my encouragement to you is just if i struggle i struggle with that too of going into everything with the right heart the thing that helps me the most is just running to christ in those moments and asking him to change my heart because i can't change it on my own it's not like you said i can't white knuckle it i can't just not do the wrong thing i need god to break in and to help
2: yeah you need a divine strength and that's that's yes. not yours to have or that's not yours to that. will up no
1: yes I can't do it on my own
0: all right last thing Dustin what is something that we could be praying for and everyone else listening we could be praying for you in this season of life like what is something that either praises or something of or something of struggles um how can we encourage you and how can people be praying for you
2: yeah I think in this season specifically, I mean, I'm just transitioning from an internship into a residency. So I'm, I'm continuing into ministry, hoping that, or still figuring out, but thinking that this is actually a calling on my life. Um, and so one prayer for just clarity and discernment. Um, yeah, if this is not where the Lord would have me, like, I want that to be clear and evident, and I don't want to, in my pride and in my flesh, work towards something because I, I think it'll make me look religiously superior. Mm. Um, so yeah, one, just for clarity and discernment in, is this where God has placed me? Um, and number two, I think Vaughn, you hit the nail on the head for those of us in ministry. Like it can be extremely dangerous to blur the lines between feeding myself and doing work. Mm. Um, like they, they go hand in hand so easily uh, and in so many areas, but you can wear yourself out and burn yourself out so easily um, just by a very minute difference of, am I reading this and I don't have to teach on this? I don't have to uh, share this in small group. I don't have to do whatever. Am I just reading this for myself so that God can speak to me so I can like, actually be in the presence of the Almighty? Or, am I doing this simply because I have to? I have to preach on it in a week. Am I doing this because I have to write a Bible study? Mm. Um, I think the Lord can absolutely use those to minister to our own hearts. Absolutely, but if we just rely on that, then man, it, it's we're missing out. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very easy to enter in a dry season where we just don't feel near to God, um, and that's that's because we've just been faithless to be near to him in our own personal walks. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a dangerous area. Um, so yeah, I, I would just ask for prayer in that, that I don't fall into that. Have that be my, um, temptation to just say, Hey, this is what I'm doing for work. And we're going to call that good because I've already been looking at the Bible for two hours today. Um, mm-hmm. so cool yeah awesome
1: nice. and any closing remarks for our listeners
2: yeah
0: perfect <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I think my big closing remark um number one thank you guys for having me like thank I, you yeah, thank you i really appreciate um i obviously met you guys in both just very different circumstances yeah um and i would argue that I was the I was a uh, shepherd in your life for a season, but completely in in the past four years since I've known you guys, like I've seen the Lord like working you. Six years now, yeah. We're old, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, twenty um, fourteen
0: because you guys are same class, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. But like I've seen the Lord grow you guys so immensely that, like, because you knew so much more personally like what your life was before christ because it was more recent mm. um and it was just a, a bigger deal like i would argue that that has been a catalyst for immense growth mm. and like i've gotten to the point where i would have you guys lead me and so like wow. number one i i Thanks. just are, i'm very encouraged and i appreciate you guys as brothers so much And i want to thank you guys for just doing this because this this is ministering to plenty of people. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank but you. yeah. Closing remark for those of you listening. I just want to encourage you, um, especially if your story is similar to mine, in which, like you, you feel like you're kind of just you've been a Christian the whole your whole life, and it's not that special, and um, you're a little discouraged by that because I know I have in the past for sure. Um, I would just encourage you to. Press in on that to actually process through that of, as to why you believe that. Yeah, it is, and special. then to speak truth into that. Yes, of why is this a miracle mm-hmm. that I'm spiritually alive? Yeah. I, I've made a al- been I've been made alive in Christ. Yes. Um. So yeah, just a note of encouragement. I would end it on. Amen. Thank cool. you, Thank Dustin. you so much, Dustin. Yeah,
1: if you're someone, I love that. Like you know, if you're someone who has known Jesus for a while and you, yeah, you feel that that isn't that special that. That is just 100% lies. Uh, I think that's lies from Satan with the end goal of you not sharing that with more people because it is amazing. It is a miracle. And I don't know. I'm just really encouraged. Your story is awesome, if Dustin. If you see
2: brokenness you. or weakness in your life, boast in that mm-hmm. so that you can boast in Christ.
0: Amen. Mm-hmm. Tag hey. <laughs> If you don't know Christ, get to know him. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. 100%. You want to pray us out, Vaughn?
0: Got you, fam uh jesus thank you so much for this evening uh thank you for dustin thank you for just the work you've done in his life and that and the work that you continue to do lord uh, i just pray for uh the season and this this transition uh phase lord um just give him discernment uh on what it looks like in the future to um just yeah just just guide holy spirit lord we just ask that you just are just with Him, Lord, uh, throughout the whole process and what's to come. Uh, additionally, we just ask that He just finds a delight in you first before uh, doing uh, anything else, Lord. And I pray that for everyone listening. Pray that for myself. Pray that for Clay. Uh, I pray that for for all of you, Lord. That um, for those who do know Jesus, uh, that we just start our day with with Jesus and uh, start our time with uh, with with You, Lord, before starting a time with with anything else, Lord. And for those who don't know Jesus, Lord, I just, I just pray for their hearts. I just pray that they just come to a place to, that they just surrender uh, and trust in you ultimately and uh, no matter what season. And and so, uh, Lord, just continue to stir up uh, conversations, stir up just curiosity with people who who don't know you or are interested in getting to know you more, Lord. And Um, so we just pray for their hearts and, and, uh, just pray for anyone listening to as well. Um, but yeah, Jesus, thank you so much for our time. Thank you for guiding our conversation. Uh, go forth throughout the rest of this night, throughout the rest of this week. Uh, we love you so much and we trust you in your name. We pray. Amen. 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 This was a blast. Thank you, Dustin. To
1: our awesome listeners. Thanks for listening to another episode. We love you all. Thank you for all the support. You know the drill. We're going to have another episode next Wednesday, like always. <laughs> please reach out if you want to talk to us about anything. Mm-hmm. If you want to share your story, maybe Dustin's story turned something in you. You want to share your story with us. Please hit us up.
0: Yeah. Or hit up Dustin.
1: Or hit up Dustin. Yeah. If, seriously, hit him up if you want to talk any any bit more about his story.
0: Yeah. And uh, you guys are also welcome to hit up any one of our, our, our uh, interviews, too, as well. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they're happy to <laughs> share more about their, their faith.
1: No, so. for sure. Yeah, thank you. We love you guys. Peace out, y'all. Peace. Peace out. Hey. (laughs)